no one wants to be that public servant, that public official that loses an NFL team. I'm sure that's what Kathy Hockel, the governor of New York and other public officials were thinking. They didn't want to be the ones that potentially would lose the bills. Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. I'm your host, Andrew Brandt. We are produced by one Brian Neal, doing this stuck in an airport as we speak. Musical producer Sam Brandt. I'm going to see him this weekend in L.A. And of course, we are presented as always by DraftKings. Lots to talk about coming out of all the news last week. I really hope you enjoyed last week's interview, discussion, conversation with Joe Banner about the impact of the Deshaun Watson contract situation, circumstances, all of the above. I'm going to get into that in my rant. Not so much what I talked about with Joe. There's not going to be a lot of duplication there. I just want to talk about the fallout based on the NFL meetings this week and what I've been hearing and actually what's out there in the public now about the Deshaun Watson case. And related to that, my other rant, my other full rant today is going to be about stadium financing by public municipalities in light of what has happened in Buffalo and the state of New York. We're going to talk about all that. I want to give a quick plug. If anyone's around Philly in the next couple of days, Friday specifically, this is my annual symposium at Villanova. I've been doing this for a number of years. We were off because of COVID the last two years, but we're back and better in person now. So if you're around, please come to Villanova Law School on Friday. I'm hosting panels on name image likeness, on the future of college sports, on mental health in sports. I'm doing one-on-ones with Scott Pioli, the former NFL executive who's doing a lot with gender equity and racial equity in sports. And I'm also talking to Brian Westbrook, famous Villanova alum. What a week for Villanova, Final Four. So excited for our team. And maybe I'll do a rant on that as we go. And uh, we're talking to Len Elmore. Len is the former Maryland basketball player I was a fan growing up who is now head of, one of the heads of the Knight Commission, changing college sports as we know it. So a quick plug, if you're around the Philly area, Friday morning from 9 to 1, just come by anytime, Villanova Law School. I'm hosting the annual Morad Symposium. It's going to be a great event for anyone interested in sports law, sports business, sports policy, especially with college sports on this Final Four weekend. All right, let's get to the rants. All right, let's first talk about... The continuing fallout slash impact from Deshaun Watson, as we talked about with Joe Banner, this situation is stunning and continues to buzz in not only my mind, but the minds of NFL executives and player agents. When we talk about the business of football, there is no bigger item this year than the Deshaun Watson contract. That's it. Not the Deshaun Watson contract legal situation, not his lack of criminal indictment, his civil cases, although it's related, his contract with the Browns. Now, we can talk a lot about his behavior, and I even have said that it is alarming that in part because of his bad behavior, he has set himself up for this contract. Be that as it may, let's deal with the facts. The facts are he got a five-year, fully guaranteed $230 million contract. The facts are the final five, four years of the five-year deal read like this. Salary of $46 million guaranteed. Salary of $46 million 
guaranteed. Salary of 46 million, guaranteed. Salary of 46 million, guaranteed. There's your contract for 2023, 24, 25, and 26. For 2022, the Browns have gone even more beneficial to Watson. They have taken his salary down to a minimum, which is basically a million dollars, a little bit more, but let's call it a million dollars. And the other 45 million is in signing bonus. Why did they do that? Well, you could argue it's cap, but I will say that's not their case. It is because they wanted to benefit Watson because a pending suspension will only affect game salary. So let's say he's making, if he was making a million seven, that's a hundred thousand a game. If he was suspended six games, he would lose only 600,000, not money attached to signing bonus. So if he has a $45 million signing bonus, that is unattainable by suspension. So if he has a million dollar salary, the only suspended money is going to come out of that relatively nominal amount. The Browns did this for him. Now, some people are saying, well, wait a minute, don't all these contracts do that in order to gain cap room and create cap room and then push out the rest? Yes, some teams do that. And they do that with a lot of players. But these are teams that are strapped for cap and need the cap room. People, the Cleveland Browns did not and do not need cap room, even with Baker Mayfield's big number on there. They are fine. They had 30-something million dollars of cap room before this contract. Now they have 20-something million dollars of cap room. They released J.C. Treader. They got a lot of cap room out of that. (laughs) They released Jarvis Landry. They got a lot of cap room out of that. I mean, come on. This is a team that is not looking for cap room. So please don't tell me, someone who managed the cap, how they would do this anyway. They did it to help Watson. These are are awful precedents around the league if you're from a team management point of view. But here's the real problem. Any quarterback worth his salt, I'm saying at an elite level, top-tier quarterback, will now go into the next negotiation and request slash demand a five-year or more fully guaranteed contract, maybe more than Watson, maybe a little less than Watson, but that's where we are. They're going to demand that, and an agent that doesn't ask for that should be fired. Now, all the teams will do the same thing. They will try to differentiate it. They will say, well, Watson's an outlier. Watson's an aberration. Look what situation it was. It was an auction by the Texans. And then the teams, and they were bidding, and my quarterback, pick a name, is not going to have bidding. It's just going to be the one team. Well, good luck convincing the agent and player of that, because the agent and player is going to say, okay, but that's the market for aspiring quarterbacks, for top-tier quarterbacks. And my guy, pick a name, doesn't have 22 civil cases. My guy's not accused of sexual misconduct with massage therapists that he reached out on Instagram to people that aren't even licensed massage therapists. My guy uses his team massage therapist. My guy would never be caught in those compromising positions. So this is the kind of negotiation that's going to go on. This is a problem. And it reared its head this week at the meetings. Of all the comments coming out of the owners' meetings, what really struck me the most is the Baltimore Ravens owner, Steve Bashotti, who basically called out 
Jimmy Haslam, the owner of the Browns, for giving Watson this contract. In so many words, said he has screwed me and other owners, and he is right in the crosshairs because Lamar Jackson is up for a contract negotiation. And Lamar Jackson, whether he has an agent or doesn't have an agent, should be asking for the same deal as Watson or more. He has a more accomplished career at a similar age than Deshaun Watson. Why should Lamar Jackson make anything less than $230 million guaranteed over the next five years? That's going to be quite a negotiation because Steve Deshaun is pissed, and he should be. And and even though Haslam's saying that nah, the owners haven't talked to him about it, they have. They have. There's no question in my mind they have and the commissioner has that this contract is a problem. Now, they had this clumsy press conference the other day. The Haslam's weren't even there. They tuned in by Zoom later. And, of course, no one could answer any tough questions. And it was all this BS. And then Watson saying he doesn't regret anything. Come on. So anyway, the question is asked <laughs> to the Haslam's, you know, what did, what's going on here? Oh, we vetted them. We did research. But the research didn't include talking to the women, talking to the women's lawyer. And they're saying the lawyers, of course, told them not to do that. Listen, they couldn't say the truth. And here's the truth, what they wanted to say but can't say is this. Listen, we know we can never get a player like this. You can never get a 26-year-old top 10 quarterback in the league on the market, ever, ever, because teams are smart. They're never going to let a player get close to free agency, and this was essentially free agency. So it happened, and the Browns probably said, hey, we're going to take this player. We're going to go full force to get him, which they did, and yes, we'll get public backlash and bad PR, but it'll fade. That's what the Browns are really saying. Of course they're saying that. They can't say it in public because it doesn't sound good. But they're basically saying our football people, as Haslam said, it was run by his football people. And the football people said, hey, we got to get this guy because we'll never have an opportunity to get a player like this. Even at a number one or two pick, you, you know, you're just guessing. And then we get to the other issue of precedent, which is the the guarantee and the funding rule. Now, Joe and I talked about this on the podcast last year. It's a little bit complicated, but let's make it simple. Owners have to fund future guarantees, put it in escrow. So the future guaranteed amount for this Watson contract beyond this year is something like, I don't know, 230 minus 47, right? So 180 something million dollars. Now, they are worth their billionaires, the Haslam's. They can fund that. They can put 180 something million dollars in escrow that's going to go towards funding that contract. Other owners can't. Those other owners may include Bashadi. Probably not. Bashadi's worth six billion. But, that, uh, but what about the Browns? Not the team, the family that owns the Bengals. Joe Burrow up for contract next year. The Brown family that owns the Bengals doesn't have 180 million to put in escrow. They simply don't. What about the Spanos family that is a family business like the Browns that owns the Chargers who just paid half a billion dollars to move? They don't have $180 million to put into escrow if and when they do a contract like this for Justin Herbert. This is the problem. So this rant has told you all the potential ramifications 
of that Watson contract. Let's forget about the conduct. We're talking about the contract. That's a bad look. That is a look that has should and did, forget what the Haslam's have said, pissed off a lot of NFL owners. They've changed the game for top quarterbacks and eventually for less than top quarterbacks and eventually for top receivers, for top linemen, for top defensive linemen, for top uh, running backs and down the line. So there we are. This contract has ramifications. It's a game changer. And everyone team, as I would be doing with the Packers, trying to explain it away as an aberration, is going to get an agent and a player saying, what do you mean aberration? Because he was a bad guy? I'm a good guy. This is going to be a problem. That's my rant about the Sean Watson contract. The ramifications, the reverberations will continue. Okay, before my next rant, I got going on that one. Feisty. I want to talk to you about Omaha Steaks. You know, there's a limited time game day assortment package as we're in the big tournament, the March tournament. For all your game day needs, something for everyone to enjoy while watching the game. There's a reason why Omaha Steaks is the leader at Gourmet Steaks since 1917. No one comes close to matching the flavor, the tenderness, the value of Omaha Steaks. Best steak of your life guaranteed we've gotten a package of these omaha steaks the family loves it we cook we grill we have friends over to eat all this great great steaks and chicken and seafood it's easy to stock up on your favorites visit omahasteaks.com enter my name brand b-r-a-n-d-t all caps into that search bar order the omaha steak sampler today you'll save over 50 percent Plus, you'll get 12 Omaha Steaks burgers free with your order. This package has it all from the mouth-watering butcher cut filet mignons. Your mouth's watering right now, right? Delicious caramel apple apple tartlets. Every order is back with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Deliver perfection in every single bite, every single time, every visit. Visit omahasteaks.com. Type keyword brand in the search bar order today. And again, game day assortment package. There's something for everyone while watching the games. I promise there's a reason why Omaha Steaks has been the leader in gourmet steaks again since 1917. No one, I mean no one, can match the flavor, tenderness, and value of Omaha Steaks. That's omahasteaks.com, keyword Brent. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back to Brant's rant, speaking of Brant's. Okay, Buffalo Bills are staying in New York. Why? Because the state of New York is delivering a massive package to keep them there. This is something I've talked about before, but the ramifications here, like the Watson contract, are extensive. Here's what's going on. You have the state of New York giving $600 million. You have Erie County giving $250 million. That's $850 million public funding towards a Bills stadium. Sure, the owners of the Bills, the Pagoulas, are putting up a couple hundred million. 
And a couple hundred million are coming from the NFL G4 loan, which is paid back through visiting team share guarantees. This happens with all these new stadiums and the owners getting a loan from the NFL. It's just something that started way back when I was in the league. But the headline is one point. The headline is 850 million coming from the state of New York, beating the previous record of 750 million coming from the state of Nevada to lure the Raiders away from Oakland a few years ago. That is public money. That was the biggest deal in the history of sports. Kudos to Mark Davis, who finished out of the running in the L.A. sweepstakes. He got the last laugh. But now we have Buffalo. So the question becomes the obvious one. What about all this money being spent and not for schools or libraries or public safety or public services or homeless shelters or whatever it may be? And the answer is going to be no one wants to be that public servant, that public official that loses an NFL team. I'm sure that's what Kathy Hockle, the governor of New York and other public officials were thinking. They didn't want to be the ones that potentially would lose the bills, which means they took some credence in the perceived, probably not actual threat, that the bills would take their football and go somewhere else. Now, where are they going to go? They're going to go to Toronto. They're going to go to St. Louis. They're going to go to Austin. You know, L.A. and Vegas are off the table. Are we, were they really going to go to any of those places? You and I know probably not, but the probably is the question. So if there was a 1% chance they would be the Austin Bills, of course, they're going to pony up money. I get it that public funding for something like the Bills, and don't tell me about all these jobs and economics created by stadium construction. There's a ton of studies that say that's all bunk. But the issue is negotiation. Come on. Come on, state of New York. Come on, Erie County. You can negotiate a better deal than that. You can make the Pagoulas pay, say, $600 million and, and you pay $600 million and the NFL pays $200 million. Like, what is going on with the negotiation? The bottom line is this was done. And Bills fans are happy the Bills are going to get their stadium and they're obviously not moving. But what about funding? Man. NFL owners, I use this comment, it's gotten a lot of attention on social media. They socialize cost and privatize profit. It is a massive win for the Pagulas, for the family that owns the Bills. And it's happening, guys. It's happening everywhere. Even this week, there's all these other teams. The Washington Commanders, with the most disliked owner in the NFL, seem to be at the lever have leverage of the three areas in the DMV. The District of Columbia, Maryland, and Virginia all bidding for the rights to build a stadium. It looks like Virginia's in the lead to give a massive amount of public funding for a $3 billion stadium coming there. Tennessee governor, $500 million allocated towards building a stadium towards the Titans. That comes out this week. What's going on? And the Bears are talking seriously to Arlington, uh, Illinois to move the team there, not obviously out of the area, but they're leveraging that against the city of Chicago. And what are they leveraging? Public funds, someone else to pay for it. That's where we are. These NFL owners in a wonderful position, not only they've got this incredible media deals, they've got a team-friendly CBA, they've got fixed costs with the CBA and player contracts, is despite the Watson deal, and now they're getting the public to pay in part, and in some places, in good part, large part, 
for their buildings. Wow. Socialized cost, privatized profit. What a business. Buffalo is an example of it, but even this week, we've got Tennessee jumping in. We've got Washington. And of course, the Bears are in play too with what they're doing in Arlington. Okay. Oh, and Kansas City. I forgot them. Kansas City makes some remarks this week that they've got uh, something brewing with Kansas City, Kansas, or maybe not Kansas City, Kansas, but in the state of Kansas. Again, not leaving the region, but there's Kansas and Missouri. They're in Missouri now, but they're talking about Arrowhead not being good enough, getting something else going somewhere else, of course, leveraging. So again, I forgot them. Is In this week alone, leveraging other situations to get more public money to build their stadiums are the Buffalo Bills, the Washington Commanders, the Chicago Bears, the Tennessee Titans, and the Kansas City Chiefs. That's five teams in one week with the headline being the Bills. Socialized cost, privatized profit. And by the way, when all these teams sell for $5 billion in a few years or $10 billion in a lot of years, you think those public municipalities are getting any of that? Of course not. All right. My last rant is about my day job. I just got to say, Villanova, I'm just so impressed every year. Um, Jay Wright has this mantra for these guys, and sometimes mantras are a bunch of BS, but this one's a good one. Humble and hungry. Humble and hungry. That's Jay Wright's message, and it seems like these guys are. These aren't the five-star recruits. These aren't the guys that jump out of the gym. These aren't the guys that are headed right to the NBA. These are guys that have been here a while and they're humble and hungry and wow, the fundamentals and they make all their free throws and they do everything right. And they're in the final four and wow, against Kansas, who's going to have much better athletes and going to try to speed up the game every second of the game. But wow, a nod to Villanova. Jay Wright is such a good guy. He's got such a, he's humble himself. I mean, again, people talk about he's good looking, he's got the suits, he's this, he's that. But he's just a humble Philly guy. And it's been nice to get to know him and my work at Villanova. So a nod to the Wildcats. I know they're big underdogs against Kansas, and they'll be underdogs against Carolina or Duke. But here we go, Final Four weekend. And let's kick it off again. If you're around Philly, come to the Villanova Symposium that I host on Friday talking about all of these issues, college sports, name, image, likeness, all of that. All right. And if you're not getting my newsletter, you must get it, andrew-brandt.com. If you're not getting my daily work and weekly meetings, do that as well, Sports Business League, andrew-brandt.com slash SBL, or the link in the show notes, the ClickFunnels link to the Sports Business League. Follow me on Twitter, Andrew Brandt, Instagram, Andrew Brandt 2. I'm on Clubhouse, ADB719. All my work you can see at theandrew-brandt.com. We're produced, as I said, by Brian Neal, music producer Sam Brandt. Give us a good rating and share this podcast with a friend if you would. Have a great week, weekend. Enjoy the final four. Hope you enjoy these podcasts. I'll be back next week with another edition of The Business of Sports with Andrew Brown. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding 
or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.